0: Uh, welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast, Evan Roberts, Mike Bisaglia. First of all, we have not recorded since the embarrassment of the Nets being swept by the Boston Celtics, hmm. and it's honestly all Bisaglia's fault. Like he just yeah. didn't want to record, didn't want to talk about it.
1: Yeah, no, uh, you know it's been a couple of weeks. It's been I don't know twenty three days, but who's counting? And I said it's time. Let's do it. I'm ready <laughs> to go. I think it is
0: something like that. It's been like three and a half weeks. Something I know, now. man. It it's tough because. When they got swept, I knew I had to face the music on the fan. I knew I had to deal with, you know, a douche Nick fan like Craig and every Nick fan wanting to call up, laugh, and dance on our grave. And I don't know. It was me. I kept putting it off. I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to deal with it. And look, the reality is we got embarrassed. The reality is this season was a colossal failure on every level. I don't think there was any way we could have expected it to be this bad. Um, but instead of regurgitating what we already know, which is everything oh. that went wrong with this season, Sean Marks and Steve Nash finally met the media. And what I thought was really interesting was the way they handled the Kyrie Irving questions. And I think that's the biggest thing that came out of this in that he just seemed so noncommittal to Kyrie being on this team made the comments about everyone's got to be committed and no one's bigger than the team. It it felt like it was a lot of shade at Kyrie Irving and then Kyrie Irving is on Twitter with some Mr. Miyagi gif and a comment, which I'm not trying to figure out. But after reading the transcript or hearing it, however you digested this press conference, what do you come away with? There's no way in hell
1: in my opinion, Irving's off this team. Like, if, if there is, give me a scenario how they figure it out, what they do, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and listen. It's impossible. It really is to figure that out. But it was setting the groundwork. I think that they came into this press conference and they said, we're going to get out in front of this because we know there's going to be questions about player empowerment, which there was, and control and not having what that brooklyn grit is about so sean marks went out in front of it and said all of these things to tell everybody we're getting back to nets basketball i mean until i guess i liked hearing that but until i actually see what that means and tangible evidence it's all just words at this point but at least i'll say this at least they didn't go out there and say oh things didn't break our way you know, we had to deal with the vaccine mandates and then we all know what happened with Harden and the Durant injury. At least they said like, hey, we sucked. We got to figure something out. We got to be better. We have to hold players accountable if they really needed it or not. So I like that there was some some of that to it, but uh, until it really happens, it's all just words.
0: But, but what's weird about it is Sean Marks was asked about player empowerment and he was asked about, you know, consulting with players. And he was pretty honest that while maybe it's been a misnomer about how much power players have, that it is important to consult players. So if we believe that, which I certainly do, how in what world would he consult Kevin Durant? And in what world would Kevin Durant say, yeah, right. we're better off without Kyrie Irving. Exactly. Like that, that, that world doesn't exist. They're not better off without Kyrie Irving. So even if he's playing some kind of game, some kind of game with Kyrie to to bring the power back? Like, hey, you don't run this team. Because Kyrie made those weird comments after they got swept about, Well, I'm going to talk with Joseph Tsai and Sean Marks, almost as if he was an owner. Even if this was all about kind of reminding Kyrie Irving that he doesn't own the team, they need Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kevin Durant would never approve Kyrie Irving not being on this team because Kevin Durant knows their chances of winning a championship are far worse if Kyrie's not on the team.
1: Yeah, and the scary part, like, is I, I'm I'm at the point where anybody that's coming up with these ideas and scenarios, it's just wacky. It's, it's where where's Kyrie going? What are they doing? My bigger fear is, I just hope Kyrie's going to play. I hope Kyrie's going to make it through a full season. I hope Kyrie Irving's good enough to be the second star on this team because what we saw versus the Celtics, the game one was excellent. That he drifted in and out. He wasn't there. Like was he in the game? Did he care? Did he not care? And that's the part that I fear. Is he is he a key piece that's good enough to win a championship with his team? Those are the question marks that feel like a no at this point, not a oh how. Is he coming back? What are we gonna do? The Nets are in bed with these guys.
0: This is what it is. So you're not waiting so you're not you didn't take anything out of today, or I, recording no. it in the night, so maybe it's yesterday. You didn't take anything out of Sean Marks' comments that make you think, wow, they may not bring him back. I I have I had
1: don't think anything of it. No, I think it's just right. words to say. There's there's yeah. in my mind, it's not going to happen. I, I think what you said before, let's try to. To the to the media to the world, bring the power back. Brooklyn's bringing their culture back, the grit back, and they do need to bring in players that fit better. You know, I look at Milwaukee right now, who had a great win versus the Celtics because Bobby Portis got an offensive rebound, changed the game, put back. Th- they need that, but no, I, I what, what are they gonna? Do? I just like what are well, they that, gonna but, do? But
0: look, you you hit on it. The, when I was listening to this my reaction was, oh, my God, this is the first time I'm thinking that they may actually not bring him back. But then you start to say to yourself, all right, well, if they decided not to bring him back, how can they be a championship team? How can Sean Marks think we're getting better? And there really is no realistic way because, you know, we could sit here and try to come up with fictitious sign-in trade deals, but I don't think there's anything out there that's realistic, not one just that we wish upon that would make the Nets better. So moving on from him doesn't really make any sense. And then even from Kyrie Irving's perspective, he may be pissed off about what Sean Mark said and who knows what that Mr. Miyagi GIF is all about, but where the hell is he going? I mean, you look at the teams with cap space this year, the teams where Kyrie Irving could just legitimately leave for nothing. None of them are contenders. Like he's not leaving to go to Portland. He's not leaving to go to Detroit. He's not leaving to go to San Antonio. So, I guess my brain agrees with you just using logic. Where the hell is he going? And where the hell would the Nets allow him to go and then get better? Because unless there's a sign and trade involved, it's not like Kyrie Irving leaving opens up cap space for them to make moves. So unless there's something ultra creative out there that Kyrie Irving would obviously have to be a board on unless he just simply opts into his contract and then the Nets could just trade him for whatever. But then you need a team that wants him. Which I remember we were talking about during the whole vaccine debate. Even though he would have been eligible to play in every other city, essentially, we were curious if any team would want to trade for him. And as talented as he is, I don't know if teams would. So today felt like a game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Kyrie Irving's going to respond well to a freaking game through the media when he calls the media a bunch of puppets. No, it doesn't seem like it would be a tactic that would work with him. And
1: I, from his track record, no. Yeah. And no team's going to want Kyrie Irving. And why would a team want Kyrie Irving? He was a part-time player basically the last couple of years with the nets. And he's in the ideal situation for him where he's with his best friend. Why would he go to another team? And then you think he's going to be the leader there. It just doesn't make absolutely, it makes absolutely no sense at all. Uh, I, I give Sean Marks credit that they did that. Uh, Again, it's just a game there. And that's what it's whatever the response was with the Miyagi GIF. That was Kyrie Irving somehow rolling his eyes and saying, okay, I'll take that. You see what's next. You see what's next. But it's just, it's so pathetic. Really. If you think about it, it's adults in the media going back and forth with each other. When like, what happened to just talking and and being on the same page, that that's the part that's frustrating. And that's what everybody warned you. This is what you you get with Kyrie Irving. This is what comes. And you know, we're, we're in the deep end with it now, or where Sean Marks is saying, we got to bring the culture back. We've got Kyrie Irving putting a Mr. Miyagi GIF out on Twitter moments later. I'm like, wow. This is, this is strange scenario where it, then you, you turn on the TV. It's like, man, I wish I could just be upset about losing a basketball game in the second round, but no, we're, we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with this crap.
0: Well, it's as if the drama of this season just won't end. It you know, we won't. dealt, we, we dealt with drama all season long. The season's over. I'm trying to bury my head, you know, just pay attention of the Mets and the Yankees and not even think about the next season. And we're drawn back in with some kind of weird drama. Like I was even hearing people say that the whole, a picture worth a few words was the line ahead of the. GIF that he put out was about the Nets selling season tickets and not using Kyrie Irving's image, which I could tell you, I have seen them put out various images to sell season tickets. And sometimes it doesn't include Kyrie. Sometimes it doesn't include half the roster. Like they change the pictures all the time. So if that's, what Kyrie Irving's pissed about. He doesn't understand the Nets marketing campaign. That's not a sign that they're going to deal him. Plus you think the Nets marketing team who's trying to sell season tickets has any effing idea what Sean Marks is going to do in free agency. They put, they put Patty Mills on one of the images. He's got a player option at the end of the year. Who the hell knows if he's going to come back. So if that's what Kyrie's responding to, then I don't know what the hell he's thinking about. It
1: it is weird though that the first one that they did did not have Kyrie Irving on, and maybe I mean, who knows? But who knows what's going to happen next winter? I mean, who knows? It's, you know, Kyrie Irving is not vaccinated, and who knows how rules might change if there's a spike? Maybe the maybe the marketing team's going well. We don't know in December what's going to happen. <laughs> stop. And it. there could be a chance that I mean, stop. I have no idea.
0: And that, and by the way, the other thing that reminds me that this drama will not end and I'm not making light of it because Ben Simmons very well may have serious mental issues. So I'm not telling you it's no big deal or it's a joke, but that's drama too. Fair or not. The idea of will Ben Simmons play or not is a drama. It's not great for the quote-unquote culture, which is just some BS word GMs and presidents use over the last five years when their team sucks. We got to change our culture. We got to improve our culture. Hey, we're not winning games, but our culture is great. So I expect Kyrie to be back, but the Ben Simmons question is going to exist. His first trip back to Philadelphia is going to be a big deal, assuming he ever plays. I don't know if just because Sean Marks says we have to get our quote culture back that that means anything's gonna be different because the truth is there are two things that need to change. One, they need a better construction of their roster. That's pretty obvious. And number two, they've gotta take the regular season seriously and they need a core of players that play significant minutes together before they enter the postseason. Those two things did not work out going into the postseason. You had a roster that wasn't perfectly constructed, especially defensively, and you had a team that this entire season never really took seriously. And the core of eight guys that played in that series against Boston had barely played together. And Oh, by the way, Ben Simmons didn't play. So more than culture, more than anything else, those are the things that need to change. If this team is going to be significantly better next year. And Sean Marks alluded to that,
1: Evan, uh, in his press conference early on where he said, okay, the Nets right now, as they're constructed from a salary standpoint, their top players make most of their money, right? With Kyrie, Durant, and Simmons, all that money is allocated there. So each season, the roster has turnover and changes. And we saw that this formation of that just never really worked. Like last year's signings of Jeff Green was huge. Joe Harris was not hurt in in, in the rotation for the full season, and that made a difference. That's what's going to matter for this team next season is, is Ben Simmons going to be able to play? Because if he's not good or he doesn't play, the Nets don't have a chance. I- I'm sorry, but like they have they they gave up all of these assets. They need Ben Simmons to be an all-star type player and do the things that they need to do on the defensive end. If he's not there, not gonna happen. And then it's about finding six, seven, six, eight wings that can shoot threes and defend. Because if you remember that Celtic series, oh my god, like the the pick and rolls to death with Tatum in the post versus Seth Curry versus Patty Mills. It was they they just they had nobody that could defend against bigger guards and forwards and they just got destroyed on the class. They, they i mean it was it was those little things with the roster on switching and defense and hitting threes and then never playing together that was the major problem so culture if the, if they bring in guys that are helping them win it'll feel like the culture's a lot exactly because this is not Two years, three years ago when, you know, Jared, that was a different kind of culture. This culture is winning basketball games.
0: It's about winning games and it's about a roster that needs to be flat out better and a coach that needs to be flat out better. And the other thing that worries me from what Sean Mark said is he continues. I forget what the question was, but he said our best developmental coach is Kevin Durant. And what kind of bothered me about that comment is we know how great Kevin Durant was until the series against Boston. Look, he sucked in the series against the Celtics. And we give him a a ton of credit and all the defenses they threw at him. It was also on Kevin Durant. He missed some pretty good looks as the series went on, despite the fact he was being blanketed a lot of the times and was seeing a lot of doubles. Um, You can't be overly reliant on Kevin Durant. You can't basically say, hey, we're going to let a 34-year-old cover all of the flaws that we have. You've got to make his life easier. That's got to be one of your missions going into this offseason. Yeah, you need Kevin Durant to play like an MVP. We all understand that. He needs to be at least a top-five player if the Nets are going to compete for a championship. But at times this past season, and by that comment by Sean Marks, you can't force Kevin Durant – have to erase any roster mistake that's there you can't be overly reliant on durant especially as he gets older i mean think about this team where james johnson
1: was running the point guard for 20 to 30 games and then at the end of the last whatever five seven games of the season he's cut and i and it was the right decision because of what they needed with kessler edwards who gave them more but the point is the fact that they made that decision late in the season just showed that they screwed it up to begin with. And same with Millsap, they, they bring him in. He was a shell of himself. He was awful. He couldn't play anymore. He gets traded. You see what he's doing with the Sixers. He's he's finished. James Johnson signing couldn't do anything. All of these guys just the, that they brought in that were supposed to take the role of Jeff green, etc. It just never worked out it just wasn't good and it's like i see boston where you have al horford who's 34 and everybody's like he's washed up and then he goes out and he just performs great like to me when we talk about nets culture it's bringing in somebody that's like an al horford type of guy that comes in and can alleviate some of that stress like he's done for the celtics and 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 gives you minutes not let's chuck up three pointers and can't get
0: anything done right
1: And that's kind of just, it just, again, the
0: construction was just off. What about, what about this coach? Look, Steve Nash had a brutal series against the Celtics. I think everybody outside of Bruce Brown, basically had a brutal series against the Celtics. I thought as this series was going on, wow, there's a chance they're going to fire him. There's a chance that Sean Marks and Kevin Durant are going to say, let's try something different. But KD has been loyal to him. Sean Marks has been loyal to him. Would you have wanted Nash out?
1: I would have been okay with it. And then I would have been, yeah, I I guess to answer your question. Yes. I would have been, let's bring in, let's, let's bring in somebody that's a coach, right? Like let's, let's think let's look at the Mets, for example, and the difference that Buck Showalter has made with this organization, bringing in a guy that has been through it, has seen everything, bring in a coach. Now baseball is so different than what the NBA is because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will have to approve it. Right. Right. But just somebody I mean, the ultimate would be obviously like a Greg Popovich for sure, but just somebody that that can coach. And then more, more than anything else, just when they're with these guys, hold them accountable at times. And I'm not saying that that you have to you know, be very difficult on Kevin Durant and understand that he is a superstar. But at the same time, like, like come on, we, we got to hold players accountable. Durant even said at times, like, I didn't come out with the energy I should have in that game, and I didn't set the tone for everybody else. Like, there needs to be a coach that can say to some guys, Hey, yeah. we got to get our bleep together. But you would, but you hey, would
0: think yeah. you would think Steve Nash can do that. I mean, you would think if anybody can hold these guys accountable, a Hall of Fame player who they all respect could be that guy. But to me, it was more than even that. Like it wasn't, and I would have been fine if they fired Steve Nash. But what this ultimately comes down to is. What does Kevin Durant want? This is his franchise, and people look down on a comment like that, but that's the truth. He's the best player on the team. He's a top-five player in the league. If Kevin Durant is saying to Sean Marks, i prefer Steve Nash coach the team, he should coach the team. I mean, I think you should have input from your best players when your best player is a top-five player in the league and one of the greatest offensive players of all time. But my issue wasn't, Steve Nash doesn't scream enough. Steve Nash isn't yelling at officials enough. Steve Nash isn't cursing out Kyrie Irving. My biggest issue was the flat-out non-adjustments that we saw in that series. But I think it was a combination of two things. Yes, the coaching was bad. Yes, Ime Udoka Farley outcoached, or in a far—I don't think that's a word, Farley, but in a big way outcoached uh, Steve Nash. But they also didn't have the horses. They didn't have the right defensive horses. They needed size. They need bigger wings. They need more guys that can shoot, even though in a perfect world, Hey, you've got Patty Mills. You got Seth Curry. You got Joe Harris. I, I think it was a combination of the roster wasn't perfect or the roster wasn't better. And you had a head coach that didn't make adjustments. I would have been fine if they fired him, but if Kevin Durant is saying passionately, and God knows what he's saying privately to huh. Sean Marks, he's not the problem. Bring him back. Then you got to bring him back, don't you?
1: No, I agree. You have to. I mean, you said it. Kevin Durant is the GM of the team. And it, right. If you get upset at that, you don't like that. He's the one that you, you have to make him happy. You know, player empowerment. What do you? But if Kevin Durant says, I want out of here, the Nets are cooked. I mean, it's over. I mean, it's completely over. So if that's the small nuance to keep them happy, you have to do it. And that might bother people, but that might annoy people. But if Kevin Durant says, I'm getting the hell out of Brooklyn, well, now the Nets are back to where they started three or four years ago, and it's square one, and there's nothing they can do about it. I mean, the the rotation's from from nash were brutal in the playoffs i mean it was so frustrating seeing no blake griffin i think that's the big one that everybody will bring up because when he did come in at the very end of game three he brought a spark to them in that fourth quarter or the third quarter of the fourth and then what we saw in game four it's like where was he early on And in it's game one fine but it was that game two when the nets had a 13 point lead in the third quarter and they were up six in the fourth quarter and they just needed something in those two pockets. I'm like, that was the time to experiment with Blake Griffin.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, his, his non usage of Blake when he provided a little bit of spark of energy later in the series. Yeah. I would have wanted more from that, but that wasn't going to change the series. Let's be honest. It just, oh, it I just you. wasn't. I hear it, you. It wasn't. I mean, It's weird to think how close they came to winning game one and in weird ways, how close they came to winning game two. They had a big lead in game two. And yet we walk away from this series saying Boston outclassed them in every way. And they ultimately did. Game three and game four ultimately was never close. I don't care how close games got. It never felt close. But those first two games in Boston were both incredibly winnable games, which is crazy. I mean, game one was a win, essentially. They had it in their freaking back pocket with a five-point lead late. And if Jason Tatum doesn't make that spin move around Kyrie Irving and they're up 1-0, I don't know if the whole series just plays out differently, but uh, it just felt as if in the first two games of this series, we can play with this team. We -hmm. can beat this team. And then once game three and four were done in Brooklyn, I think we walked away saying, oh, my God, this team was 50 times better than us. Yeah, it it is weird if you think about that
1: game One, they had it. They had the lead. Kyrie Irving went bonkers. And Tatum had the spin move and finished it off. But look at at game one. Kyrie Irving was brilliant. Look at the other games. He wasn't really doing much. And if you don't get performances from your superstars in the playoffs – you have no chance to win. And, and they had, they had, Durant was better at home in Brooklyn. He took, he scored a lot of points, but he did take him on a lot of shots. I don't remember what it was now, but I think he took 31
0: shots, but I think he almost felt like he had to because in game three, he was tentative. I mean, he became very, very tentative. And I think he went into game four and said, look, I just got to go balls to the wall here. Yeah. And if you don't get performances from Kyrie
1: and Durant that are amazing, they're, they had no chance. As much as we were on the roster, the construction of it the role players were good enough yes it's something like the stars underperformed no doubt and uh uh the Drogic was really good in some of those moments brown was great curry stepped up in the fourth game or maybe it was a third game now where he put up 20 something points but they just defensively were terrible and the superstars
0: weren't like superstars the superstars weren't like superstars no doubt about it and what what you'd like to see is unlike this past year. I remember we were talking a year ago. We got to have a revenge tour in 21 22. And the first warning sign that the players didn't feel the way we felt is how they came out lifeless in the first game of the season in Milwaukee. And there was a lot of that throughout the season. You would hope that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, assuming Kyrie is back, that they're embarrassed that they take next year and say, we are going to destroy our opposition that yeah, we are not we are going to make everyone feel the pain we felt from this embarrassment and that's what you hope these guys come out with real quick and i know we'll do we'll do another podcast as we get closer to the off season. one thing i am concerned about is this owners commitment to spending uh there was a story in the new york post about a week ago about how much money barkley center is losing not just because of the nets but mostly because of the other events that they're not booking for the building. So bottom line is Joseph Tsai is taking a big financial hit. If he wants to compete for a championship, not only are they going to have to keep Kyrie Irving, Nicholas Claxton's a free agent. Bruce Brown is a free agent. Those two guys need to be brought back. I mean, Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge are gone. Andre Drummond's probably gone. Nicholas Claxton needs to come back. And Bruce Brown in the second half of the year was the biggest positive even in the postseason after game one was one of the biggest positives so there needs to be a financial commitment even if it means having to pay that repeater tax which I know is crazy I get it the luxury tax is going to be brutal for Joseph Sy but if you want to win if you want to compete you're going to have to pay it and I think Bruce Brown and Nicholas Claxon off the top have to be back on this roster don't they I would, I I sure hope so because we saw
1: what happened when they did not sign Spencer Dinwiddie and the lasting impacts that that had on this team as another guard and a player that they could use. I mean, you keep, there's only so much you can do as you lose these guys to replenish them because what you're bringing back in with all these mid-level exception type money deals is not going to replace it. It's just impossible. It's, It's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, Dinwiddie gone, and now you're going to say Bruce Brown gone. And the team has done a nice job in developing these guys. You know, Dinwiddie, second-round pick, nothing in Detroit. Here he comes up. Now he's a guy that's big cl- clutch player. We saw what he did versus our team uh, in Barclays and crushed us and how valuable he has been for Dallas and the Porzingis deal. Then that you, you're going to let Bruce Brown go and Claxton go. All this homegrown essential talent, even though Brown and Dinwiddie were signings, are like homegrown talent. You keep losing this. There's only so many players you can bring in that's between five and $7 million. That's going to help you out before it gets in 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 the butt. It's just, it's just an impossible way to do business or you, you're just not going to find good, good enough players. And if you have them in your own team, Uh, yeah, it's not my money, but I would say, please spend it. So yeah, make me happy.
0: But one thing that will be debated on the TV shows, and I know I still get DMS from people from Philly about this is who won the net Sixers trade. I think we both lost. I think we're both losers assuming Philadelphia gets knocked out by Miami and God hopes they do. uh, They don't win a championship and James Harden is clearly not the same guy. I know he had a big game four performance, but he's not the same guy. I mean, I think the Nets, in a lot of ways, dodged a bullet by trading him and not maxing him out. How could you max this guy out? He's not nearly the same guy. But as far as the trade's concerned, the trade I think about is not the Harden-Simmons trade. I think about what we initially gave up for James Harden. And so the only way for that to be worth it is for Ben Simmons to be healthy next year and be an all-star caliber player, is for Seth Curry to be a key piece on this team over the next couple of years. And we'll see what the picks they got back from Philly to try to offset what they lost to Houston, what they turn out to be. But when people talk about the trade and who won the trade, look, as long as Philly doesn't win an NBA title, I think they're stuck with a bad contract in James Harden, assuming they max him out. I'm not viewing them anymore. I'm viewing what we initially gave up for James Harden. And to me, that's the thing as net fans, we're going to mostly look at for the next few years, and it's going to be heavily, heavily, heavily dependent on what the hell Ben Simmons is.
1: Yeah, to be determined because of what Ben Simmons is. It, you know, I, I think the writing's on the wall with Harden. He did have that one brilliant game where he had a great fourth quarter, and he's going to showcase that he can still put up performances like that here and there. But to give him five years or whatever for $700 trillion bajillion, I mean, the Sixers are going to get to a point where if he starts – deteriorate. And Tobias Harris is downhill. You got him Maxi, and all these old players that you're in a rough spot. And what's worse? Is it, a, is it James Harden on the nets in two or three years being awful with that contract or rolling the dice on Ben Simmons and seeing if he can play that answer is to be determined, but you know, knock on wood for net fans, Ben, ben Simmons becomes somewhat decent, or at least puts on the Jersey and plays so at least we can have a debate and not be like, well, yeah. we both sucked.
0: No doubt. No doubt. We'll do a, another podcast soon previewing the off season and how we feel about the teams left in the postseason. season. Uh, you can definitely check out the bad weather fans podcast. I know you guys had Chris Childs on recently, the former Nick, the former net. So definitely check that out. And you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike delivers pod. Thank you for listening to the Brooklyn basketball podcast.